Hello, Seraphim. Welcome to episode 32 of The Voice of Seraphim. Better luck next time. Recorded on Saturday, August 6th, 2011. The Voice of Seraphim is your source for all the news and information related to Magic Online and the Seraphim Clan. Seraphim Clan hosts weekly tournaments, monthly leagues, and other regularly scheduled events, including a cube draft and a simulation block draft. We use voice chat and have an active forum at seraphimclan.org where you can find out more about us. In today's episode of The Voice of Seraphim, Eldritch Song and I catch up on recent clan events and do an M12 cracker pack, so let's go. How are you, Dicax? Uh, I think Solemn went down. It's like six something, six or seven. Wow, you know what, Dicax? A new Gera who looks actually civilized. Kind of weird. I mean, the, um, the mirrored inversion still goes for like 13. But the M12 version is going for like seven, six or seven. What are you guys talking about? Um, M12 and the price of Solemn Simulacrum. Ah, I uh, I like the one from before better. The art on the previous one. Yeah, most people like disagree. Hey, I like the new art better. I like the old art because I think wasn't that some guy's? Um, I can't remember who the card was made for, but it was some guy. I thought he was some guy's real face. The Hall of Famer, yeah, imitational card. I don't know. I think they probably should have changed the art because. If they just reprinted the imitational one, most people wouldn't have like, understood the purpose of that. And plus, it makes the one for Mirrodin a bit more unique. I like them both. I have a few of the ones of the uh, the Mirrodin ones in paper laying around here somewhere. I remember thinking when I first saw the card in paper that it was like completely worthless. I was so sad when I opened the pack and saw one. <laughs> That's funny. Was it at the time? No. Or did sure you just not know it? Well, for my, my viewpoint was it's a 2-2 two, two for 4, a 3-card. I didn't have any idea about card advantage or anything like that. I had no clue. To me, it was power toughness versus, you know, converted mana cost ratio. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess it's just you and me, kid. Kid. <laughs> and the ghost of pasta. And the ghost of pasta. So I take it you've seen the show notes. Indeed. I'm looking at them now. Awesome. Do I have the right league event? No, that's the league event from last month. Mm. Well, tell us about the league from this month. All right. of the Scars of Mirrodin Block League. Um, so pretty much by the time you hear this podcast, legal, of that league will already be over, and Monday we'll already have posted up the information for the, the new league coming up this month. Which is? I need to check on exact set. It's another one of those mixed blocks. All right, so we're going to be doing Lorwyn, Conflux, and Rise of the Eldrazi. Interesting. I think, I think really they'll make it pretty... Pretty sweet, uh, limited format. Who came up with these combinations? Um, I did, and it's not really that creative. Basically, I picked three sequential blocks, and I picked the first set from the first block, the second set from the second block, <laughs> and the third set from the last block. So I, I needed a way, like, we'd already gone through all the different blocks in, like, Magic's history, basically, that I released online. Right. So I needed a way to keep, like, you know, it fresh, like, infinite combinations. So if you just keep randomly combining, you know, sets each time. If I do it um, like sequentially um, I can I can fit in like all plunging combinations before we ever run out of uh, different ways to combine blocks. Sweet. That's also true, like a multicolor limited format. Uh, then like the month after this uh, this next league will be M12. I want to give people a chance to draft it to their heart's content so they have, you know have lots of commons and stuff like that in a way it has some time. If they're burnt out now, they can get back into it a month later. 
Sounds good. So uh, entry for the next league begins Monday? Yes, Monday, the 8th, I believe. That is when the registration will be opening for the next league. There will be sort of a week's downtime where you can register, and I'll send you your pool, and you can practice and build your deck and do things like that. And the actual league matches will officially start the Monday after on the, let's see, the 11th, or no, 15th. Are you sure it's not the 15th? It's the 15th. Right. So many numbers. Just a little trick, you can just add 7. Yeah, that would have been easier, but I'm like looking at the schedule right here, so I just thought I'd glance at it and give you the days real quick, and I just looked at the wrong one. Dope. Anyway, I didn't come here to do math. <laughs> uh, it's not like I know math. <laughs> and yeah, and so if you've played uh, against me, you would know that. <laughs> uh, I made today that would make you look good. <laughs> What'd you do? But, um, I mean, well, let's see. I attacked with a primeval titan into a board that had exactly enough to do six damage to my titan and I thought it was only five. So I lost a titan and I had a way to prevent him from dying but I didn't because I didn't think he was going to get killed. And yeah, and I lost that match. Just one example of me not adding up numbers correctly. It happens. Alright, well, other league news, I guess. Um, the rankings, the final rankings for this Scars and Mirrodin blog league will be up at least by Wednesday. I'm hoping to actually have it up by Monday, um, since I actually haven't been updating them at all this month, so it'll be a few hours of work, but I'll try to have them up by Monday. But by Wednesday, for sure, they'll be up. Um, so once they're updated, if you see any issues, let me know. Um, but otherwise, just uh, if you're in the top five, send me a message and I'll get you your prize. Cool. What are the prizes? Well, as per usual, if you're in first place, you get 30% of the tickets that we received for the entry fees. Uh, second place gets 20, third gets 10, and then fourth and fifth both get 5. We've got 23 people registered, so you can imagine that the prize pool is pretty big this week. How many people registered? 23. Nice, nice. And it's uh, 10 ticks for the next league, for every league. No, it is 5. What a bargain. So I just did the math. The first place person for this league will get 34 tickets. Nice. Is it Senzen or Matthews Mag? You know what? I haven't added up any of the numbers. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. Oh, well. So you all have a chance. Guess we'll find out the next episode. So we have an austere reckoning on the forums. When do people, how long do people have to respond to that? They have until midnight on the 14th of this month. Basically, well, it might be the 15th, actually. It's 14th or 15th. I'm not going to close it, like, exactly on the dot, so you have some, like, a little bit of wiggle room there. But it'll be two weeks from the first of the month is when I'll close the Austria Reckoning thread. Guessing there's not really a lot of overlap between those people that don't respond to the Austria Reckoning and listen to the podcast. I don't know. You, you never know, because there are a lot of people that are actually active, like, loud into the game every single day, playing our events and post on the forums that have no idea we're having an osteoarectomy. I'm not sure how that works, but some people manage to do it. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, one of the things they actually do participate in is listen to the podcast, so at least if they don't know that we're having a reckoning, they can listen to this and figure it out. It's going to be in the membership forums. It's almost impossible to miss. It says membership on it. And if you go there, the most recent post will be the osteoarectomy thread for this month, and just reply to that and you'll be good to go. Um, there's also a link in there, I believe, to our membership spreadsheet, um, which 
was just updated last month, so it's currently up to date. Uh, Purgatorio has been taking care of that for me, so he's been doing a fantastic job. I'm glad he's been helping me out with that. Oh, so, that's nice. Sure. Yeah, I, I really appreciate someone else doing all the spreadsheet stuff for that, because it's been a pain for me to try to do that. But if you're not sure about your activity status, you can go there and check. Um, if it says active, obviously you're fine. And if you respond to the Dust Reckoning again and you're participating in our events, then you're good to go. Um, if you're it says warning on your name. That means that you need to respond to this also reckoning or you're going to be probably kicked out unless there's some other kind of uh, circumstances, you know, you get like a waiver. Um, if it says you've been removed, but you're still actually in the clan, I haven't gone through and kicked out anybody yet from last month. Uh, so if it says you're removed and you don't want to be removed, make sure you send me a message and start participating because that's important. But I'll probably be going through there and taking care of sending out all the warnings um, and out people have been removed shortly, so you might want to get on that. Awesome. Not a lot of changes in Seraphim's Players Club, so nobody's really moving up the ranks there. Well, I mean, the same people are moving up at the same rate, so it just looks like nobody's moving. Simson, once again, level 7, inching up there toward level 8. I think he'll be there. If he's not already there, he'll be there pretty soon. Well, he did win the standard event last night, didn't he? Indeed. He did win that. And uh, I was inspired to purchase Grim Lava Mancer and Goblin Grenade, because there were one or two decks like that. I'm actually fairly satisfied with the diversity of decks that we saw. Yeah? How so? Lots of uh, red deck wins. So, like, I think, I can't remember how many we had. Like, we had actually a really good turnout last time. We had 14 people playing. Um, So, we had quite a few red deck wins. Um, We had... Cobblade, uh, just normal UI, like Hero Blade, things like that. We had Valakut. Um, we had your deck that packs, which was like white, black, maybe? Or is it mono white? Mono white. Artifact. Tempered Steel. Tempered Steel. And then we had Pasta, who was playing Animal Crackers again. And I'm trying to think if we had any other different decks. Probably, but those are the ones I remember actually seeing or watching. Interesting note, though. The two people... We had a, we wanted to have a top eight, but unfortunately the seventh and eighth person, like people had to drop out early, so we couldn't do that. So we just had a top four, and the people that played the top two were actually undefeated until the top two, and that was Kinziki and Senzin. Kinziki was playing Red Deck Wins, and Senzin was playing Valakut. Um, Senzin was actually playing, I think, the updated version of Valakut. I know I loaned him before the tournament for this member, and at least you know, two Solemn Simulacrums. Um, and I assume he got some other cards from other people because he seemed to have a full set of those. Um, and so it's actually interesting to see the new version of Valakut. It's just as you know, broken as before, but it has a few new tools. One thing, though, I played him in the Swiss and probably would have won my match, except he sideboarded in a card that I never expected to play, and that was Ricochet Trap. When he played that against me, that was probably the most unexpected move I'd ever seen, which I assume was probably his intent. I don't think that's necessarily good tech, but in the case, the case against me, it definitely worked really well. <laughs> Effective tech. Yeah, in the, in the narrow situations where it's good, it's really good. Because a green sun zenith uh, for what it, you know for a titan, essentially. I mana leaked it, um, and then he ricocheted trapped the mana leak to change targets and ended up winning off of a titan that I couldn't counter because of the trap. So, I mean, overall, that was 
you know, a game-ending card to change the game. But uh, it definitely worked out that, you know, that game, and I believe he cited it in a few other times against uh, even non-blue counterspell decks just to change targets like for burn and uh, various other things like that. Well, he certainly has a nice set of trophies. Yeah, they, they're building up. I guess at level 7, that's what happens. Pretty soon we're going to have to, like, make some kind of, like, trophy limit, otherwise the signatures are going to be, like, pages long. Imagine a year from now, when everyone, like, we have people with, like, ten trophies, and it's, like, scroll, you're scrolling down for, like, <laughs> two pages to read three posts. Any, uh, update on the cube? Indeed. Actually, there are a few updates. I added, um, some M12 cards to the cube. Um, I have been drafting in trouble a lot recently, so any other, like, mythics I get that fill in, like, go into the cube, I've been donating just because I feel like I play that format more than anything else anyway. Um, so I added a, um, Jace Memory Adept to the cube, along with a Phantasmal Image, um, and then, I forget, I think it was Wizard who donated a Skin Shift to the cube, and I also used some of the cube funds that we had from a donation to purchase a Chandra the Firebrand. Um, and since, I guess, the last podcast, I also added a few other cards, but most importantly, I added Survival of the Fittest to the cube, so we finally got another one of those incredibly overpowered cards into the cube. Nice. I actually drafted um, Survival, my last cube video, which is cube number 19, if anyone wants to watch it in action. So I'm looking here. You must intentionally be keeping the balance between the colors at about 13%. Yes. Um, every color has exactly 65 cards for it. Ah. And then artifacts and multicolor have 55 cards each. So that's why you see them both as being 11% of the cube. And land counts for the other 65 cards, other 13%. Whenever I add new cards, I've been trying to space them around sort of um, evenly. The way I don't give one color. Like, I do have my favorite, you know, my favorite colors. Like I really love white, and I love like black, and a few other colors like that. So I try not to play favorites with the colors when I add new cards. So I'm trying to keep those equal. But um, I think for the most part, I don't think any single color is overpowered or underpowered in the cube, which I think makes it really great drafting. Yeah, it looks pretty balanced. Nice. And like I said, the last, last like before I added the M12 cards, most all the previous updates have been on the non-basic lands, and that has been, I think, in my experience, I think it's been revolutionary for the cube. Um, some people don't see it that way, um, but for me at least, I think the cube becomes so much more amazing when you can draft multicolor decks. I think prior to adding the non-basics, most people went essentially like two colors because that was just about all the mana fixing could support but with all the dual lands, fetch lands and you know other like non-basic lands we've added so far um, you can do a lot of stuff so like I've been drafting like last draft number 19 I went to the finals with a four color deck wow and I'm impressed you could pull that up yeah I mean it's easier when one of your colors is green because there's a lot of mana fixing in green but uh, 12 of my 17 lands were all non-basics I've just been recently reading, like, there's, like, on, if you go to MTG Salvation, there's, like, so much information about cubes. Like, if you want to read about, like, archetypes and which cards to pick for them, like, there's just so much information there. Um, and I was reading about five-color control, and I think I'm probably going to try to draft that next cube. It just seems like we now have, I think, basically all the really essential non-basic lands 
except for you know we also you know obviously we're missing a few of the original duels and fetch lands, but for the most part we have uh, we have a, like a good portion of them, and we have most of the good multicolored cards and things like that. So I think five color control could actually be a reasonable archetype, and I'm not gonna like absolutely force it, but I'm gonna try to draft it next next cube. So that'll be this Sunday. So see if it works. Yeah. So you guys have switched to Sundays. Well, we haven't switched to Sundays. We do it twice a week. We do Sundays and Wednesday. Woo. Yeah, right now I'm on vacation, so I can do that. As soon as uh, the new semester starts, I'm not sure how often we'll be able to cube. We'll have to find out what my schedule is, but um, definitely cube has been the one format I think that I've been consistently playing for, you know, since December, essentially, and it's amazing. Steve Foster, though, it's hard to cut from five-color control because I can just take any color card. And plus, by the time they hear this podcast, I'll already won. I'll be in the finals. It'll be over. <laughs> They're going to look back on this and go, wow, you really popped that out in advance. Or what was he thinking, trying to pull that off? <laughs> no. Like, oh, I thought he just crashed into it. But he actually <laughs> tried to do something. I mean, because I do try to draft different archetypes every single time. You know, one part of it is because I think that makes for more interesting videos. We're not drafting the same archetype each, you know, each video. But also because I just like playing different colors. Like, I really don't have... Like I say I have color preferences, but in like in terms of drafting, I don't really have any kind of archetype or color that I generally always go into. So it's nice to draft different decks. And reading about you know popular control just sounds like it would be such a cool deck. Yeah, I've only been able to draft that cube once, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's the contribution to the cube that's ten dollars. Yep. Um, or ten ticks. Well, yeah, 10 ticks. If you want to play in the cube indefinitely, you, you can donate at least 10 tickets. Now, I'm not putting any kind of limit on donations, so if like, you feel really generous, you're welcome to give as much as you want to the cube, over 10 tickets if you want to just play forever. Or you can just give it, you know, over time, because we've had, you know, a lot of people have already paid for playing the cube, but we'll periodically, like, say, like, well, I just drafted this mythic or this rare or whatever, and the cube needs it, so you want to take it. And that's amazing. I love that. Because, you know, the cube does belong to the clan, and that just realize that any card you donate is not really lost because you can always play with it in the cube whenever you like. So it's not like you're selling a rare or giving it away to somebody else to use. It's You're going to be used by you and the clan indefinitely. So just keep that in mind when you donate. Oh, I'm taking a look at the list here. So this is the wish list. Absorb, Blade Splicer, Blazing Spectre, Chandra's Phoenix. Do I have yeah. that right? Yeah. Cool. So there's some M12 cards on there. There's some Commander cards on there. Um, obviously there are some older cards, lots of lots of older cards on there, uh, which we need to fill in, but there are also a lot of cards from newer sets, so there is a good chance that if you look on the wish list, you might find it. Um, yes, Chandra's Phoenix is on the wish list. From M12, we still need Garrick um, and Chandra's Phoenix, and I think that's about it. Oh, and Gideon Jura. Luckily, though, um, the price on Gideon is going down, so... At one point, paying $50 for a Gideon was a bit steep, but now paying like 13 for a Gideon, I think we can, the cube can afford to do that. It's 13 now? The M12 version is 13, last time I checked, several hours ago. Yeah, wow. Okie doke. And Monday night, I'm going to do the Erzots draft. So I think that uh, we're going to try M12 as long as everybody that's... As long as it doesn't keep anybody from joining the event. Um... I think I'm going to take your advice and just let them know they'll need to purchase their own commons and uncommons, but I'm only going to cover anybody's crazy mythic that they get. There's not too many crazy prices out there. 
I mean, one thing good about the Interpol drafting is that right now, during release events, the prices are probably going to be as low as they're ever going to be for most cards. Um, you know, everything's almost almost everything is a reprint, so all those cards are really going to go down a lot. Um, and plus, you're drafting triple in 12, so right now the market's being flooded. So buying mythics and rares, even on commons, you know, commons and uncommons especially, you know, anything in 12 is going to be a lot cheaper right now than anything else. So. As long as people that play have a few extra tickets to spend on any commons or uncommons they might not have, uh, rares and mythics shouldn't be hard to deal with. No, we were using uh, we were using tappedout.net and found that to be unstable, so we switched to ccgdex.com, which has been more stable. It's not quite as sexy, but um, certainly functional. Uh, I think that's different than what's used for the cube, isn't it? Yeah, we use something. Though I have been using CCG decks probably about two years to uh, generate the league pools, so I can vouch for it being a great site. And they're really fast on their updates. I think probably um, I have never seen anybody draft cube from the same site we use. All the drafts I've seen for cubes have been from tappedout.net. And I guess while I have nothing against tappedout.net, I really love their interface. Like, it's actually... And there obviously there are some problems, but it's definitely the most developed interface I've seen for drafting. Um, yeah. It just seems to have lots of user issues. Yeah, it's just nice to, you know, you can see the distribution of creatures and your color and your mana curve. And I have not seen LSV's cube, but I have checked out PSG's cube. I think, though, that their cubes are larger than ours, which makes it a bit difficult to evaluate cards. Did LSV use uh, Tapped Out? Is that what you were saying? I haven't seen the video, oh. but I'm almost positive you'd be using Tapped Out. Yeah, it is, it is nice. Um, and you have a cube draft up. I do. I just uploaded recently number 19, where I drafted four colors, Jund, Splashing White, for Harari's Wake. Cool. And Toadie's also posted a Scar's Block draft. A little behind the curve. Hopefully he'll do well, an M12. He posted it before M12 was released online, and I only recently got it made public. Um, and that, according to him, that's going to be his last Scars Block draft, and he's probably already been doing M12, so I expect to see some M12 videos with him shortly. Cool. That's about it on the clan front. Unless you know something I don't, which you very well... Which could be the case. Okay, well, one thing that I do know is that um, Fracture is no longer going to be holding Tuesday night standard tournaments. Um, apparently he's just been having a few issues um, with the tournament um, and the format in general and that he would rather just not host the tournaments anymore. Um, that said, I do think there probably is still a demand uh, or at least an interest in standard tournaments. So if anyone would like to run tournaments on that time slot or even something else like that, um, they're welcome to do so. Um, and just, if that's the case, let me know, because I do think that people enjoyed having that extra tournament each week just to play their standard decks, um, you know, for fun. And for Seraphim points. Yep. Hopefully somebody will step up to the plate. So he didn't have problems filling the event. No. Um, I mean, one week he didn't. He had, like, four people, but I think for the most part he was getting between six to ten each week, so that wasn't the issue. Cool. Well, that's good news for somebody who wants to take it over. And Pasta, that, uh, that is tapped out. When are you going to get a I mic, Pasta? He ordered one. He told me. 
That's good. Otherwise, I'll send you one. <laughs> Quick, cancel your order. Yeah, really. Free mic. And so the next event is Classic Popper. It'll be Saturday at 4 p.m. Seraphim time. And looking here at forum post. Nothing standing out to me. Not a lot of magic news either. No, um, spoiler seasons. I mean, there's not really any kind of spoilers coming out. The new Liliana artist, sweet. She'll be getting some play just for the art. U.S. Nationals is going on now. Is that what's on GG's Live? Yeah, as far as I know, yes. Any idea what the current standings are? I can take a look. Is that on the wizard site? Sorry, the mothership. Yes, it is. Let's see. Top 8. Uh, oh my god. LMP's in the top 8. Sweet. Yeah, I was watching the game he was in. I wondered if he was. That's cool. Honestly, I'm kind of shocked because I was looking at I, mean, I, I looked at him after after the all the Swiss rounds yesterday, which were like four constructed rounds and three limited rounds. He was in 41st place, so I'm like, oh wow, LSB is not gonna make top eight, and now he's in number five at 34 points, which is amazing. He's actually been doing amazingly well in these last few tournaments, but he won the Grand Prix and he top eight in the Pro Tour all in the last few months, and that's actually a really good. Really good run for LSB. Um, so top eight, in first place is David Ochoa, another uh, Channel Fireball guy. Number two is Hugh Hybeam, which I cannot believe he's playing in U.S. Nationals. Like, that does not sound like an American. Uh, three is Ellie Antrazi. Um, four is Brandon Nelson. Wow, Brad Nelson's brother. Uh, five is Luis Scott Vargas. Six is James McLeod. Seven is Owen Turnwald, another uh, Channel Fireball guy. And eight is Noah Coesel. Ah, and you know who lost out on top eight? Number nine, Patrick Chapin. Bummer. Oh. Yeah, three, uh, three Channel Fireball guys. Patrick Chapin almost made it in. And uh, we've got, I think, Ellie and Tronzi. I think he's like a Star City Games guy. Anyway, and it's good, it's good for Brad Nelson's brother he got into. I think Brad Nelson's brother, uh, Brandon, has a pretty good record in nationals. That's the only thing I think that Brad Nelson hasn't actually gotten yet. A top eight in nationals. And that's about everybody I recognize until... Let's see. Wow. Yeah. Brian Kibler at 48. I don't recognize anybody else until Brian Kibler. Oh. I'm sure they're all good pro players, just don't know their names. Looks like, uh... People are dutifully voting for the Hall of Fame. Won't be until the August 19th that we know who's inducted. See, there are... The top eight actually has six Cobblade. That's going to make for... I think National is right as they constructed top eight. So, lots of mirror matches. See, there is Blue Black, Pyromancer Ascension for the other two slots. Tarmancer uh, is Ascension without Splinter Twin. So I think it's a bit funny that they banned Jace and Stoneforge, and Cobblade still takes six of the top eight spots. Yeah, no doubt. What does Cobblade look like now? Obviously, yeah, the Cause and the Blades. Yep, you've got four Squadron Hawks, two sort of pieces of cannons, and then there's like a bit of variance in terms of creatures, but generally speaking, what I've been seeing lately is you're going to be playing at least one or two uh, Consecrated Sphinxes. Um, you're probably going to be playing Amiria Angel. Either Maria Angel or um, Hero of Playful tends to be like the slot kind of goes back and forth. Um, you're playing the Master Removal, so you're playing at least two Day of Judgments. You're playing 
one or two copies of Gideon, um, one to four copies of Jace Bellerin. We've got the Mana Leagues, Preordains. Some people run Preordains plus Ponders. And also people have been running um, the new Insult card, Timely Reinforcements. Um, probably two main deck and two sideboard usually for the um, aggro matches because that card has just been amazing against aggro. And see, a few people are running spell skites as well. But mo looking at the list here, almost all the Callblade lists look basically the same. They're all running Anuria Angels, Consecrated Sphinxes, and a full set of Hawks. Except for, let's see, oh yeah, this is the blue-black control deck. That looks interesting. Uh, he's playing Sphinxes, Grave Titan, Three Solemn Simulacrums, and a whole lot of black removal. Uh, Imposition of Kozilek, four Jays Bellerin, one Karn, one Liliana Vess. So, yeah. Looks like the consensus is there are more Gideons than there are Jaces, I believe. I would do the counting right. So Gideon might make a comeback, depending on... Oh, possibly. Even though he's been reprinted, so his price is probably at an all-time low about right now, but... It seems to be pretty popular in the Cobblade list, so I think after Nationals, people are going to be playing Cobblade a lot. Well, we can talk about Garuk, or Garrick. He looks more like Garrick now than Garuk. Did you hear what I was telling you about uh, while you were, uh, when I first got in here about Garrick? Uh-uh. I was saying that this picture makes him look a lot more civilized. He's actually not bare-chested. I can't believe it. Right? And he's, like, really clean-shaven. He's holding his axe out in front with two hands, which is not a position that he's typically in. It's usually, like, behind his back or held in one hand, like he's about to, like, cleave somebody with it. Yeah, he's very well-dressed, dude. So they're going to have another Garuk, so there'll be, there's one in M12, obviously. And they're going to put one in Innistrad, too? That's what it looks like. Um, more than likely, it'll be a multicolored Huntbucker, though, probably green-black. Wow, that's wild. I'm kind of surprised by that. So, surprised if he's in black or they're going to print another one. Yeah, that they're going to, oh, that they print another one. I agree. Actually, I'm, I am a bit surprised because I thought one of the rationale for not reprinting Liliana Vest was that they were going to print a new one in Innistrad. Um, and they wanted to avoid the two Planeswalker problems, like one canceling the other one out. But apparently that's not an issue for them because they're going to reprint, I mean, print the new version of Garrick. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think it'll be an Innistrad. Well, I mean, he's in this sort block for certain, but I don't think he'll be in the first set. Uh, I think you're right, Pasta. Dark uh, Ascension. That's an interesting point. And what is Pasta saying about Dark Ascension? I don't get it. He thinks that Garrick will be printed in Dark Ascension, not in his run. Oh, I see the second set. Gotcha. Because it looks like they're also printing a new version of Soren, which seems weird. So they're going to have a new Soren, the old Soren, a new Garrick, and... Yeah, the, the new, the new, new Garrick. Right? Just seems crazy. I mean, so, like, I, I think, I'm not sure whether they, they might actually need to do that, because there aren't that many surefire ways to destroy Planeswalkers, and one very useful way to destroy, like, Jace the Mind Sculptor, for instance, was to play Jace Bellerin and turn early so they couldn't play their Jace, or to play your Jace Bellerin after they'd already played their Jace the Mind Sculptor to destroy it. So, in that sense... Maybe they're reprinting these other Planeswalkers just to give people another option to destroy Planeswalkers, but I don't think... It seems pretty inefficient when it comes to, like, spells, like, ways to kill Planeswalkers. Pay five for your own Garrick, kill their Garrick. Mm. I don't know, it just seems like when you do that, you run the risk, a really big risk of uh, overpowering certain decks. I think black probably will be pretty good in the 
this next set. Genova is going to be a new Soren, a new Liliana, and a new Garrett. All probably going to be black in some, in some manner. Yeah. That's true, Fosta. That is true. But it also depends on his cost. Like, if he's just, like, one black, playing, like, a mono green deck, it's really easy to splash for one black. So his point is that because the Garuk in M12 is triple green, that that would be prohibitive in terms of splashing? Yeah, because, I mean, triple green, you're probably going to be playing close to mono green to make to consistently get your Garrick out of turn 5 or whatever, turn 4, if you can ramp into him faster. Yeah. I'm hoping, though, that they... Like, I, don't, I don't know if this is even going to happen, but I would like them to print... Like, I'm hoping for a new set, um, a new cycle of non-basic lands, Hopefully, enemy color lands, like enemy, like enemy color duels of some kind. I'm sorry, I missed what you were saying. I'm hoping that they're gonna reprint enemy color duels. Ah. Duel. So we could see like a green black land potentially. So pasta saying hybrid's gonna come back. What the hell is hybrid? Do you mean like Lorwyn hybrid, where the mana symbol is combined? Oh. Yeah, that's the hybrid he means. Interesting. I think that was a good mechanic. So I think it might come back at some point, though I'm not sure whether the Innistrad will be the place to do it, but I have no idea. I don't want to make predictions because I'm always wrong, so far. Mm. Well, Ravnica is supposed to be the, or return to Ravnica is supposed to be the block after Innistrad, that's what the rumors are saying anyway. So I think it might, it could definitely appear there, possibly. Because I think if they're going to read, the, I guess the big thing about Ravnica was the guilds, and I assume they're going to have to have some way to like, shake that up so it's not just this, like a reprint of Ravnica but yeah I'm definitely I mean and I'm one way like they can't give you everything like I'm excited to be going to a new plane finally but I'm kind of sad that we're going to be seeing three of the same Planeswalkers again even though they're going to be in new versions but I'm sure they're going to be a couple of new Planeswalkers tossed in there so we have that to look forward to at least and judging by the um, the M, what, what is it called Duels of the Planeswalker or like Planeswalker or like wallpaper they released we possibly might be seeing the Merfolk Planeswalker at some point. So when's Gen Con next year? Probably around the same time. <laughs> and where's Gen Con next year? Um, same place each year, so it'll be in Indianapolis, Indiana. Probably around early August, like it was this year. What's the weather like there right now? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, isn't really. That's a drag. But actually, it's going on right now. It'll be over... Sunday, so as we speak, people are out enjoying Gen Con. Oh, awesome. Maybe next year. See, it's too bad Boston and I couldn't be there to stand on the sidelines and root for LSV taking a top eight. Yeah, no doubt that would be cool. Eh? Next year. I wish they would line up with some with Gen Con or something else. It makes sense to pull, you know, get some magic players from the other games that are going through Gen Con rather than have like an isolated magic event. Wasn't Conrad Kolos, wasn't he third last year for Nationals? I think he played Owen for, oh, huh. Didn't he play somebody for a tiebreaker? Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember that we watched the top eight, but I can't remember much about it after that. So let's see, tomorrow, 9 a.m., so we'll be doing the top eight live. I assume 9 a.m., like, like I don't say which time zone I've been. That's helpful, huh? Should probably assume whatever time zone is Indiana, so I'm not sure what time zone that is. 
Oh, is it Eastern? Cool. So, no matter no matter what happens, I should be able to get it right. Eastern my time or Eastern their time. Same thing. That's how time zones work. Look at all the other cons. There's Dragon Con, there's Kai Con, or Chukon, or... I would like to go to, other than Jin Con, I'd like to go to Comic Con. I guess that says something about me, huh? Comic Con. What is Dragon Con? Eh, looks a little too sci-fi. Comic Con is where they announced all this Innistrad stuff. It, Magic tends to have a pretty big booth there. Oh, then that would be cool. I think it's in San Diego. And that would be cool so too, really, although not really yeah. cost effective. Yeah, not as not as centrally located as Indiana might be. Though Indiana's not exactly central either, but only to have like a con in the middle of the country that would be worth going to. Oh, Pax maybe. Isn't that in the east, or is there more than one Pax? I don't. Enlightenment's pasta. Where is Pax? I thought it's in like Boston or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay. it was in Boston this year. No telling where it is. I think it's typically in the east. It could always be in Boston. Yeah, Pax East would be cool, but Boston's not a cheap place either. That's what we're going for here. Yep, it's in Boston. Well, I have to take a quick bio, but when I come back, we can do an M12 booster crack pack. Neither can I. You gonna pause the recording? No. Uh-uh. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna mute my mic, though. We'll just sit here and talk. It is too bad, though, that Nationals next year won't be held at Gen Con. Like, this this year would have been, like, golden to go to it. It'll still be sweet. I'm sure of that. But it'll be too bad that we're not gonna have Nationals there. Probably be easier, though, on travel expenses and hotel rooms if there's not a National going on. <laughs> I understand, sort of. I was pretty excited to go, but at least this way, we get to do it right next year, hopefully. We can show up with our Seraphim shirts, Waltz in and just feel really awesome. That's too funny. That's Adult video network. <laughs> that would be awkward yeah. in so many ways. So you guys want to do a draft? <laughs> <laughs> let's crack that back. Yeah, let's do it. Alright, our first common is a mere folk looter. One and a blue. It's one one. Tap it, you can draw a card. Then discard a card, just as the name implies. Yeah, it's decent. I think first five picks probably if you want to play that card, like that kind of deck. The next common is Skywinder Drake. Two and a blue. It's a three one. It's got flying and it can only block creatures with flying. I have kind of mixed feelings about that card. Like, on the one hand, it's awesome because it's such an aggressive flyer. But then again, like, if it has any kind of, like, way to clog up, like, clog up the air, you're just, the card is just dead completely. And there's so much removal that it dies to. But, um, it's definitely, like, a good early flyer. I'd definitely rather play that than, like, uh, the Pegasus. The next card is your old friend Pacifism. One in white. Enchant creature, enchant creature can't attack or block. Probably one of the best forms of removal that white has. It is a bit sad that it's not an arrest, so they can still activate abilities, but the not blocking attacking is still pretty sweet. The next common is Goblin Arsonist. It's one red, it's a one one, and when it dies, you may have it deal one damage to target creature or player. <laughs> it works well with Goblin Grenade. Indeed. Mm-hmm. That would be nice for Bloodthirst. The... man. 
The next uh, common is Phantasmal Bear, which is one blue. It's a 2-2. Two -two. Um, like all Phantasmal creatures, it becomes the target of the spell or ability. You have to sacrifice it. I've actually been um, kind of impressed by the Phantasmal cards because they actually are better than they sound. Because typically people think, oh, well, if it gets targeted by anything, it'll get killed. Well, most of the time they're going to be targeting it with removal anyway. So it's not any worse than playing, like, straight up bear, except it actually costs one less. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Pasta Stain, especially the bear. Why would that be? I mean, it's partly because of the mana investment. Like, if you pay one for a 2-2, two -two, you can only get a few points of damage in before they remove it. Um, and most people don't want to waste their premium removal on a 2-2 two -two creature anyway, yeah. so typically, by playing it early, it'll be aggressive, and you get to... I mean, first of all, it's aggressive in a color that's not normally aggressive like that, and you can stick around for a while. For, for like, the 5-5 five five dragon for 4, while it's, like, really efficiently costed for a 5-5 five five flyer, um, that's going to be a huge threat that they're definitely going to be removing early, whereas the bear might stick around longer. Uh-huh. That makes sense. The uh, next common is Trollhide, 2 and a green, Enchant Creature, Enchant Creature, Enchant Creature gets plus 2, plus 2, and has, for 1 and a green, Regenerate the... Re regenerate this creature. It's actually one of the best auras, other than, like, you know, Angelic Destiny um, in, in 12. Um, it's actually, like, it's fantastic on, like, an expert creature, like Sacred Wolf or um, the 2-2 Fire. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that it, the regen, actually, it's really efficiently constant for what it does, and the regen is just amazing. I think, uh, I think green-white hexproof aura is a deal. It's a real deal. I've definitely enjoyed playing green-blue um, hexproof aura. Yeah, that's what I think too, obviously. Yeah. And the next common is the Griffin Sentinel. Two and a white. It's a 1-3 with flying and vigilance. Definitely not the best flyer white has, but it's a reasonable pick. Like, having two of those would be pretty good. It's definitely a good blocker for the air. The fact that they can attack and still stay up for blocking makes it really good for just plugging things up. Cool. And the next one is Stave Off. One white. Target creature gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. It's not as good as some of the other ones that have similar effects, like, you know, Acolyte Blessing or things like that from, like, other sets, but it can be pretty efficient if you have room for it in your deck. Yeah. I think it's good. Interested in what you think about this? Brink of, dis di di brink of disaster. Two and a two and two black. Wow. Um, enchant creature land when enchanted permanent becomes tapped. Destroy it. I find that card to be terrible. So. Okay. It makes me feel better. Our first uncommon worm's tooth. Two colors. Whenever a player casts a green spell, you may gain one life. Pass over. We win. The next uncommon only slightly making up for it, is Volcanic Dragon, 4 and 2 red. It's a 4-4 four, four with haste and flying. Guy's actually pretty good, but I think you have to, you really have to be playing the right kind of red deck. Like, he is a late, like a late casting creature, so I think, like, it's not really, he doesn't go into, like, aggressive burn decks, unless maybe, maybe as a finisher, but I feel like if you're playing him, you want to be more leaning toward, like, a control type strategy if you're playing, like, counting on a 6-drop to win the day for you. Yeah, mid-range. That's better. 
And if the worm's tooth didn't get you, here's a Kraken's eye. Ugh. Take both. It'll wheel. <laughs> Those are some uh, pretty good uncommons you got there. Thank you, thank you. This pack is stacked. Uh, yeah, right? Uh, the rare is Elvish Archdruid. One and two green, it's a two two. Other elf creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And you can tap to add one mana to your mana pool for each one green mana to your mana pool for each elf you control. Right. <laughs> yeah, this pack is pretty. But the commons were alright. I guess pacifism would be the thing. There is a uh, foil. What's the foil? Singir Vampire. Oh, well, there we go. Three and two black, it's a four four flying. Whenever a creature dealt damage by Singir Vampire is this turn dies. Put a plus one plus one counter on Singir Vampire. Well, that makes the pack a lot less worse. Yeah, I don't always I don't, I, I don't know why I always feel compelled to pick my bomb first, or try and pick my bomb first, and then work around it. There are probably other effective strategies, or that may be ineffective. I think I would go with him, or the dragon. That's what I would do. I'm not saying it makes sense. I wouldn't go with the dragon this early. Seeing your vampires, maybe. Because I think just coming down turn earlier makes it a lot better than the dragon does. In fact, it can get big, but Ponsa still thinks pacifism, and I mean, I guess, you know, it depends what you want to do. Like, pacifism is really great removal, but it will put you into white. I mean, it is semi-sponsorable, so it's not like you have to go into white when you take pacifism. Trollhide? White's not a bad player to be in. Trollhide's not a first no. I mean, if you go, if you go a rat, I mean, pacifism, you're probably going to be going into, like, white flyers, some other color. Hmm, that's a good point. Yep, so, I like pacifism. Pasta's pointing out that those two are double red and double black that that requires a commitment so might not want to do that first pack first pick so what would you be going eldritch um hmm. i'm taking the vamp for better or worse you definitely don't see him too well like probably this pack is pretty weak so whoever you pass the pack to like if you take pacifism out probably the next guy is taking the vampire i just think black is so strong generally speaking it seems i think black actually has a lot less removal in this format than it typically does like, if I'm going to go into a color for removal, I would rather go into red. Because black really only has, like, Doomblade and Ring Flesh. And, I guess, Soren's Thirst, whatever that two double black is. Mm-hmm. Good job, boss. Still thinking alike. So cute. But, I mean, I like Soren's Thirst a lot less because it's double black, but it's still not that hard to play, I guess, if you're really into black. But, like, red just seems like it has so much more in terms of removal. It's got Shock, Incinerate, Challenger's Outrage. Plus, you know, the whole gamut of creatures that do damage. You can get, like, shock. Like, shocks. I've seen shocks go really late. Yeah, shock has definitely been underdrafted, as Ponsta says immediately after I said that. <laughs> We're like one brain. Yeah. And I think even white might actually have more removal than black. But black's still a decent color. And if you can get, like, a bunch of ring flesh and a few doom blades, you'll be looking pretty good. But that's not exactly that easy to do. Even though I've seen ring flesh go a little bit late. Doom blades, obviously, are, like, Primo removal. See, I'm not saying this is right by any means, but I would tend to pass the pacifism because because it's a common. And I would think, oh, I'm going to see that again. Hey, I didn't say I was smart. This is why I need Monday Night Drafts. <laughs> That's why I sponsor them. Pacifism is generally going to be within the first three picks, probably, unless people are doing something. like Unless everybody's like incredibly committed to their color, like that are opening the pack and passing it. Probably the first three picks are going to be pacifism. Point well taken. Thanks, Pasta Sensei. The Tuck has a prescription. M12 is actually a little bit less bomb dependent than I had expected it to be, but still definitely need to draft. Like, if you open up a, like a good mythic, you're like 
you're already like on a really great start. But you can definitely win in 12 drafts without drafting any mythics. I mean, obviously, I would like I would, if I if I, had, if I could like choose, I would always rather open a bomb and just slam it. But like I've had definitely had drafts where I've just not seen any like huge bombs and still done well. Because even like a mythic still dies to a doom blade. Well, I mean, like if you mind control the grave titan, you're still probably gonna win. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people lo lose to stuff like act treason, treason, and mind control. Like night curve has been fantastic. This phantasmal image. It's not, you know, obviously it's a rare, so it's harder to get, but. Has been, I drafted a couple times and it's been sweet. I've actually seen a couple of tribal decks. Like I don't think tribal's like a very viable strategy except for like the zombie tribal deck, which I think is pretty sweet. I played against a uh, Lord of the Unreal deck earlier today and it was actually strong and it was actually really strong and as soon as the phantasmal image uh, copied the Lord of the Unreal, I knew I was done. I think certain strategies are probably easier because like I feel like the phantasmal strategy is a bit more difficult. To pull off? Well, it could happen on turn three consistently. Consistently, if your opponent's tapped out on turn four, if you want to save a spell pierce in case uh, you see a counter on your phantasmal image. Do you mean limited or construct? Oh, I'm talking construct. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> I was thinking about limited. I played against a few zombie tribal decks with the uh, the zombie lord. That guy is so powerful. Oh, and I saw some guy that had like an amazing strategy going on. He had um whatever the pharaoh guy is. I can't remember. The, I can't remember his name. But somehow he drafted that guy, and he drafted the, um, I think it's a common or uncommon, the, the enchantment that you can discard two cards. Yeah, Vengeful Pharaoh. They have the enchantment where you can discard two cards and create a, a zombie token. So he wait for you to attack with your bomb. He'd activate his enchantment, he discard his pharaoh, kill your, you know, whatever, kill your bomb, the pharaoh, bring it back to his library again, and then have a zombie token on the board. That was pretty nuts. And they also had the zombie lord. That guy had a really, really, like, synergistic deck. I don't even know if that's a word, but it is for his deck. It's a good description. So hey, Eldritch. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, you guys, too. Thanks, Pasta. Get your mic. Get your mic on. <laughs> Look it up. Google it. Google images. Google's difficult. Pasta wants to have the next clan convocation at AVN. I don't know what he means by next, since there's not been one yet. But I'm starving, so I gotta go. Thanks. Bye. See you later, man. That's it for episode 32 of The Voice of Seraphim. Better luck next time. I'd like to thank my co-host, Elder Song, for joining me this week. Members of the clan can join us for the next recording of The Voice of Seraphim. I won't be able to do a podcast next week, August 13th, because I'll be attending M12 Game Day. So our next recording will be August 19th at 9 p.m. Seraphim time. Until next time, this is Dicax, and you've been listening to The Voice of Seraphim. <laughs>